When you feel your voice is not being heard, please consider calling the host of Thoughts, Love, and Reflection. The show wants to be the vehicle you can use to express your opinions or get your issue out to a larger audience. We're living in a time that we can no longer allow others to speak on our behalf. If you wish to be a guest on the show and discuss on the show what's important to you, call James T. Deshaies at 407-394-9819. Your issue or focus can be placed on the calendar. The show is live seven days a week. We can no longer reside in the shadow of life. It's imperative that we're on top of the issues that impact our lives now and in the future. USI never had it so good. 101.1 Radio, the best R&B and hip-hop music. The Quiet Storm every Friday and Saturday. Talk radio with the best host in the business. Sports Talk Radio, every weekend night with Princess Cooper. Never had it so good radio now on 101.1. And it's 24-7, the world's best radio station. In this day and time, stereotypes are the false descriptions for all of humanity. James T. Deshay is the author of two great poetry books that attempt to describe life from a male perspective. It has been a common belief that men are unable to put into words their deepest feelings and spend most of their time focused on the surface of what life means. Thoughts, love, and reflections, and passion, desire, and contemplation take you on a journey that has very few travelers. Mr. Deshay has opened his heart and spirit up in ways that few have ever experienced. The depth of his poetry will have you reading his books and poems over and over again. You will find yourself using his passages to describe your own feelings to your family and friends. It is now time to put aside your thoughts and feelings related to the depth of men's thoughts and delve deeply into the words of James T. Deshay. Once again, he will put an end to your thoughts that men can't translate their heartfelt spirit into words. Both of these books will allow you to find comfort in the reality of the heart of men. You will spend hours trying to embrace the way men want to love and display their passion to the women they love. Don't be fooled by those books that create love through words of lust, vulgarity, and unhealthy displays of sexual activities you will discover the types of words that will allow you to rejoice in the future of what love truly means to men. Your book clubs and families will be able to discuss these words without fear. No one will have to leave the room. Both of these books can be purchased at jamestdeshay2.com and lulu.com. Feel free to reach out to the author at tlreflectionsjtd at gmail.com. This is James T. Deshay, the host of Thoughts, Love, and Reflection, brought to you by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. As always, I am happy and pleased uh, to have this opportunity uh, to discuss the issues of the day with you. Uh, We're on seven days a week, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and Sunday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. 
We're here so that your voice can be heard loud and clear. So call in at 657-383-0309. We'd be glad to have the opportunity to add you to our audience. Today, I just want to discuss the justice system and how unfairly it can be to people of color. You know, we have to recognize there are a lot of things that go into the process of determining if a person is innocent or guilty. And during that process, the prosecution is trying to do all that it can uh, to quickly get whoever they're focused on locked up and the, the court jury system over. And there is a lot to, there's a lot to be benefited from a person who is found guilty accepting a plea so that they can start their sentence and move on. But in this process of determining whether a person is guilty or innocent, there are times when an innocent person can be persuaded to take a plea because of their fear of getting a long-term sentence. And there are a lot of people out there that are being given 10 years and 20 years and, and, and even more, and people are aware that once those sentences have been given, it is very difficult to overturn a jury sentence. And so they find themselves, and I have, I have encouraged people who were looking at long sentences to say, okay, take, think about what might happen if you are found guilty. And when you have been guilty in the past and you find yourself looking at a future of 20 or 30 years, five years or 10 years or less uh, becomes a, a possibly good opportunity. But when you're innocent and you have a home and a family, you, it is more difficult for you to take a plea when you know that you have a lot more to lose by going to jail even 30 days. And so people who have liabilities, who have home ownership, who have career jobs, are less likely to take pleas uh, just to not get long-term pleas. So, you know, I have a concern about the fact that our system is allowing the prosecution to manipulate poor people and get them to concede to short sentences because of their fear for a long-term sentence. And it's not supposed to be about just getting a guilty plea. It's supposed to be about truth. It's supposed to be about fairness. And our system seems to not care about 
guilt or innocence. They just want to put another notch in their belt. And poor people are at their mercy. So I just wanted to talk about what people in general care because it does not seem like justice is blind. It seems like justice is willing to sacrifice the poor and those who are unable to get quality justice to long-term sentences, which makes them decide to take plea deals. And whether or not plea deals are truly something that we should have on the table at all. Uh, Because there are times when if you offer the right person a plea, he may snitch on on the person involved with him uh, because he knows he's the one that did the shooting. So we just want to have an honest conversation about how our justice system works. Uh, Regina, I'll start out with you. You know, we, we find ourselves in these situations where our young people are put in risk, and because of their past, they find themselves willing to take plea deals because of the way the justice system works. Uh, they have a lot of justice system now that's on point, and if you have a bad past, your points will give you a lot of time. And you very well might be innocent. Uh, so uh, it is not particularly fair for a person's past to dictate the amount of time they may get uh, because of the things they have done in the court system before. Well, what, what are your thoughts about how the justice system seems to really really uh, troubling when it comes to poor people and the long sentences that they get. Good evening. Um, Good evening, all. This is a... um, I've been having some discussions here in in our community, and um, some folks here want me to, to bring... Issues like that to the forefront. So I think that that's going to be a part of my um, platform for the for the fall. Here in South, well, here in Columbia, amongst the people that that I've been talking to, they're having issues with when folks are arrested and they stay in jail for so long. One because you know, they don't have the money to, to bond themselves out. And I'm not even discussing the the fact, you know, whether they're innocent or guilty, but just you're supposed to be guilty until proven innocent, but because you've been arrested, you can't get out if you don't have the money. So you're still being looked at as if you are guilty because you're behind bars, which I just have to scratch my head on that. The other um, issue that we're having is, you know, of course, finding jobs once you've been incarcerated. And this whole 
system of, of mass incarceration, the new Jim Crow. The new Jim Crow. That's what this whole system is about. And um, it, it's troubling. But one thing for sure, if we do not bring it to the forefront with discussions and community meetings, calling our legislators to these meetings and letting them hear from those people who are who are affected the most, then all of this will continue to just be conversation. We've got to let them know that we're watching, and, and it is a big concern in the African-American community, a huge concern. So, so what, what, what can they do to help us do something about the problem? Uh, Dee, one of the concerns that I have about our community and how the poor are manipulated is that when you have such dis- extremes between what they can possibly be sentenced and what a plea deal might get them, you have people putting themselves behind bars for five years when they could have possibly gotten 30. And then you have to bring in the question, well, when I have that kind of discrepancy, what is in my best interest uh, in terms of the life uh, that I want to live eventually? And um, you and I both know people, again, people with substance and people who have who have a career, know that their career is going to be lost after a year or after three months. Uh, so they have to go ahead and and try to fight for their innocence uh, because they have too much to lose. Uh, so again, you just have this weird concept where there are people out there taking plea deals only because they fear that long-term incarceration. Good evening, uh, everybody. Uh, I'm, you know, Jay. I'm not sure if I'm the right person to uh, elaborate on this subject. Uh, you know, not like uh, like like yourself with your experience with um, uh, incarcerated individuals, and like Miss Regina that has um, that um, her career kind of puts her at ground zero. A lot of times when they're dealing with this issue, um, you know, I I, um, I believe like Johnny Cochran said that uh, the color of justice is green, and if you don't yeah. have the if you don't have the money, then you are subjected to the wrath of of the uh, the justice system and the prison system. And the supposed uh, economic value that the prison system has when it has uh, occupants to occupy the prison. Uh, if that's if it, if, it, if it's any truth to that, then people on the lower economic scale of society uh, are just the the buffet for this for this system. Um, you know, they, they can't afford adequate uh, representation. Uh, 
you know, but a lot of times they're forced to use a public defender, which is no more than a, than an intern in in the uh, in the legal system. So they are they don't have what it takes to, you know, they're, they're not educated enough per se to understand what their rights are, and. A lot of time, a judge would help them along the way, but a lot of time they will not. Um, so, you know, if if um, if if other entities are not willing to get involved and make sure that people of um, disadvantaged people uh, are, are not in a, in a position to get proper representation, <clears throat> and these other entities I'm talking about, like the churches, that when uh, when they know that these supposed uh, violations happen in their in their neighborhood, uh, they should be caring enough and attentive enough to uh, to want to know of the of the, uh, of the case. <laughs> if they feel that there are some discrepancies in the case that could railroad the individual for for a crime that he. For, for a harsher sentence than what the uh, the, the actual crime implies, then the, the churches should want to help that person get proper representation. So again, uh, the fact that uh, the color of justice is green, then it's no wonder that um, the disadvantage is being taken advantage of. Thank you. One of the things we have to know is human nature. And that a lot of these people who are involved in the judicial system spend a lot of time together. And we, when we're segregated as races of people, these white judges are spending a lot of time with white lawyers. Uh, they're spending a lot of time with uh, people who are uh, investing in their campaign to remain judges. Uh, when you have this kind of system we have, people have uh, friendships and loyalties related to the justice system. So, Cheryl, you have tendencies that well-known lawyers who have deep pockets might get favorable um, outcomes with the judges who are aware of who they are and the money that they have. And so the system doesn't lend itself uh, to the fact that all lawyers don't have the same access to the same people. And just like uh, Dee has said, those who are public defenders have little access, if any, uh, to being able to influence uh, the course of a, a, a trial. Good evening, and how's everyone doing this evening? Um, you're right, and we've seen it. Um, I've witnessed it many times looking at um, different situations where, you know, it goes back to who you know. And when you know someone, a judge that's sitting on the bench, you know, a lot of times, the situation, the outcome of the situation is much different from those who don't know someone. 
and you know it's also um, displayed in many shows that you watch on TV. It's not far from it. You know the things that we are seeing, and in many trials we're, we're we're able to witness that. You know, and then here's another thing too: is the the punishment does not always fit the crime. You know, we can somebody can do something, and the punishment seems so severe, and then somebody can kill somebody, and the punishment. It's not even severe. They may not even be a punishment or a slap on the hand. So, you know, we really have a messed up um, system. And that's a lot of what politics is. It's what they're doing is politicking, um, you know, working it, working things in their favor. Um, the more popular you are, the more money you have, the more likely you are to get off of whatever it is or even who you know. So we don't, you know, it's not justice. We don't see justice served in so many different situations. And, you know, we can point them out. We can compare them. And I understand that each crime in each trial is done differently. But, you know, when, if you were able to stack them, you know, up against each other and compare them, um, some people are getting severe punishment for crimes that was not as severe as somebody else's. So, and then we have a tendency to want to judge, you know, when you go before a judge, and maybe in your very past, you may have done something, but you have gotten yourself together. But for some reason, you got stopped or whatever the situation is, and they're not willing to hear your story. They're just willing to look at your past. So we've judged on many things that are very unfair. Our justice system is not fair in all areas. And, and you're so right. We find ourselves in situations where uh, people are just not given the benefit of the doubt. And then they have to face, uh, Regina, all white juries uh, who find themselves fearful of the way some African-Americans look. And so if they don't fit what they think is a, a characteristic of a safe image, that that person may very well find themselves uh, guilty because of dreads that he's wearing or the gold that's inside his mouth. And those biases that white people bring uh, to the jury uh, puts him in a difficult situation. So you're talking about the biases that people face? Well, the way we know that most of our juries are going to be made up of predominantly white people because some of the fears African-Americans have of serving on juries and then the fact that we don't make up the majority of the population in some of these areas, uh, that our children are put at risk because of the biases that white Americans bring to the table when they see them in dreadlocks or see them looking 
uh, differently than them? Well, you know, James, and, and you are very, very right about that. And, not but, and I want to also say that sometimes we are creating these situations by not being on the voting rolls, um, by not putting ourselves in, positioning ourselves in the decision-making um, positions. And, you know, I, I, can't, I can't get mad at the system that's working against me when those who are supposed to be working with me to work against the system aren't working with me. So I have to take it as it comes and hopefully educate myself enough or surround myself enough with other quote-unquote people who will be able to help me through that situation. And that is what has happened to me, James, in in situations. You know, um, uh, when my daughter was in middle school, she got into a, a a situation, and I had to fight that situation tooth and nail. She was appointed a public defender, and that public defender told me they're going to keep calling you to court. They're going to keep do every time they call you to court, you come, and do not take a plea deal. Keep coming every time. We kept coming. Eventually, the judge got tired of us coming and the other folk not showing up, and they totally dismissed the case. But because I surrounded myself with other folk who could give me advice because they knew how the, the color of the system was green, and I didn't have green, I was able to, to navigate around that. So I said all of that to say, I can't keep blaming the man when we are not standing up and being men and women for ourselves. I, I just I can't I can't do it. It's, it oh, go ahead. And you're so right. There's so many intricate parts to the system uh, that need to be. Uh, navigated by people that know what's going on and so that uh, people have the best outcome. I recognized uh, that I had a friend whose son got in some major trouble and um, it was only because he and his his uh, mother, the child's mother, was willing to make some major sacrifices that this boy was given a good outcome because uh, he was facing uh, a lifetime in prison. Uh, but yeah. because they were willing to make the necessary financial um, decision, this didn't roll over on him. Uh, but you've got to recognize that the majority of, of people don't find themselves in that kind of situation where they have resources or potential resources that can pay these bills. This young man's family had to get off almost $35,000 to get him from facing life imprisonment down to five years. 
And so mm-hmm. clearly, you have to recognize that if he did not, if his parents didn't or didn't or were unwilling to make that kind of sacrifice, his life would have been over. But James, did you hear me Go ahead, say, uh, I, James, I didn't have the financial. I didn't have the finances. That's why we had to get a public defender. I didn't have the the, the finances, but I had the um, I had paid my way in society. I had the civic resources by participating and meeting people and knowing people. But I didn't have any money. And that's what I'm saying. We've got to get involved in the process. So you We've use your not that 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 is just as um valuable. Knowledge is just as valuable as money. Mm-hmm. So you're right. You were able to maneuver uh because you were intelligent enough to listen to your your uh public de- defender and uh okay. had resources Outside of that, mm-hmm. so do right. you know? Either you have the knowledge or you have the financial resources, but the situation is still the same. Where you have to, uh, people of substance and people of uh, intellect are able to maneuver through the system much better than those who find themselves at the mercy of the court and don't have any support. Well, those well, those that find themselves at the mercy uh, have a core problem in the first place, uh, and that's yeah. uh, that's that, that's, uh, that's ill behavior. You mm-hmm. know, uh, like Ms. Right. Like, like Regina says, you know, when you are a upstanding citizen, or when you aspire to be an upstanding citizen. And you go about your everyday life in a positive manner, and you're speaking with people, and people are getting to know you, and you're and you're making relationships with people. Then, when if things uh, turn in a not so positive way for you, people are are willing to bend over backwards and and giving you names, phone numbers, and resources that may be able to help you. Mm-hmm. But if you Joe, but if you Joe crack meal on the street. Or you got a um, you got a reputation of um, beating your wife, and 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 and, and you got you always got the dark cloud over your head, or and you, or you're just going about your everyday life in not so positive of a manner. Then you uh, you know if you're looking not to be liked, then you won't be liked by people. So uh, so those are core um, mannerisms oh, that we have. Mm-hmm. core values that we got to learn how to deal with from the from the ground up. You know, uh, all of this is like you know we know this is a year of exposure, and and part of that exposure is throwing ourselves under the bus sometimes. You know, we uh, we got to be one. Uh, we got to be the crowd now who don't accept any and everything. Uh, if if uh, going forward, if our young people want to know how to conduct themselves and, and they're not really sure. Uh, we got to help them ask the right questions so that we can help them so they can be able to help themselves. Thank you. Uh, Cheryl, one of the things that Dee is talking about 
we have to let our young people know that you have to to do some things ahead of being in bad situations. Like you have to make sure and think about how much do I want to go to this to this uh, party uh, that is known for shooting, uh, this party mm-hmm. that is known for drugs and drug dealers. And so if you're not there when these things happen, then you can't get caught up. Uh, but, you know, they don't understand. I know I used to tell my, uh, my students who were incarcerated, listen, if a place has been the site of a murder, I don't go. Because there's so many places that don't have, have ever had that happen that I can go and have just as much fun. So you have to question people who go to places where they know that trouble exists and that the police are aware of these places and that they are being put in harm's way because of their own decisions. You know, that's true. And not only that is, is that, you know, we're talking to our children, we get them to understand about putting themselves in bad situations. When you can tell, you know, one thing that um, my son says all the time, that he don't really like to ride with anybody anywhere because Uh. if something is going on that's not right, he want to be able to just leave. So sometimes uh-huh. even when you go into um, places that you're invited to, you're not anticipating on it going a certain way. But when you get there and the vibe that's given off makes you uncomfortable, then that's when you want to leave. And I totally understand when he says that. And sometimes he says, you know, if he can't drive, he'd rather not go because he don't uh-huh. want to be put in a situation where he's ready to go. And he's waiting on the person that he's with. And, you know, the person that you're with can be more involved in what's going on than you may be. So we have to be careful of just any of the things, not just publicly known for um, badness there, but just the simplest things of being invited to um, things with, um, you know, especially with our um, upcoming um, generation right now. We want to be able to, for them to be able to go, but also to what we instill in them, that they use it and take it with them wherever they go in any situation and able to get out of it if necessary. And and it's sad that uh, our justice system puts such a bitter taste in our mouth so because we've seen these stories of people being falsely convicted, are people not having the uh, ability uh, to show or prove their innocence? Uh, because you have to have people who, you have to have money to have things investigated. You have to have money to, mm-hmm. to create a reasonable doubt uh, because you have to come up with other uh, alternatives. And then, Regina, when our people aren't believed or are not given uh, the benefit of the doubt. You know, when your mother uh, vouches for you, but somehow uh, she's not believed over other individuals, it just puts you in a bad situation where you're not just given the, the opportunity to create doubt. Well, I think 
as uh, Dee said, um, ill behavior creates situations where doubt cannot be created. I think I'm saying it right. Because of a person's ill behavior, a person is not, a, a, a judge is not going to doubt that that person did something else because of past ill behavior. So um, it, it, it starts it starts early. And if you just continue with the misbehavior, if you continue on going, and, and you know, I, I always um, use my daughter, always. Um, and, and granted, she is on a, a she's on a good path now, but she had to to learn from those past behaviors. And the last time there was a situation, and I got up and tried to be the usual helicopter parent and say, you know, give excuses as to why things were happening. And the person in charge said, that's no excuse and I will not accept it. She's responsible. When she saw that that was, that someone did not accept her mother's Excuses, she realized she had to take control of her life right then. Right now, she is extremely responsible because she realized mama can't do it. Along the same line, um, we were talking one day, and I told her, mama can't get you into heaven. You got to make your own, um, you know, you got to, to get yourself there. So our young people and our people as a whole have got to take responsibility for their behaviors and their actions and their outcomes. So we D, I mean, it's on them. In essence, D, in essence, a lifestyle might cre- create the, the doubt that you need, the fact that you're a good student mm-hmm. and, and you've never gotten – written up, uh, given uh, detention, and, and haven't uh, been involved with any type of violence, uh, those, that kind of lifestyle gives you a favorable opportunity. Uh, but when you want to be in the streets and acting wild, uh, you, you are not allowing uh, there to be any doubt about, about your behavior when people are willing uh, to uh, put you uh, out there. It looks like we lost the... But Cheryl, you understand that people don't understand their 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 behavior every day creates the doubt that they need when they find themselves in a in a courtroom situation. When you can say, "Well, I've never drunk, uh, been drinking and driving. I don't drink. I have plenty of people to say that I'm not uh, into drinking. I'm not into smoking." And uh, those kind of known behaviors help to give you a a leg to stand on when you find yourself in the justice system. It does. What it does is it's speaking about your character. It's saying mm-hmm. that this is not the norm 
for you as an individual, you know, and what we're looking at is a mistake that you've made and not saying that it's not a um, a bad mistake because it is, but a mistake and also being able to show um, through other individuals that this is the person's character, that this is out of the norm for them to do this. It's never been in any kind of trouble. They have not accustomed to drinking. Um, whatever the, you know, the situation is that brought them to the justice system, you know, and that's why we have people to um, to talk about your character in certain situations, especially when it is something out of the norm that um, you have done. But now it can work one time, but it's not a repeated thing because now if, as it becomes repeated, then this becomes your character. This becomes the norm for you. But um, sometimes, you know, we can make bad decisions that we've never made before. And with that, we can be, you know, given a chance. But it's still always up to the judge whether they say we're going to teach you a lesson from it, we're going to use you as an example, or we're going to take into consideration because you have people that have vouched for your character. And that's one of the reasons why it's so clear about people like Jameis Winston who don't understand and don't see the need to stay out of trouble uh, or the appearance of trouble. Uh, You know, he needs to spend a lot of years trying to fix his image uh, because he's gotten involved in these sexual situations uh, a number of times and people are starting to question whether or not they can believe his in, his interpretation of these situations, Regina. And so now he has about his past uh, having uh, an effect on his future, and just uh, every woman now has a voice much stronger than his uh, because of the uh, violations he's made uh, beforehand. Who did you say, James? James Winston, who's been suspended for uh, three games uh, because of his interaction with a Uber driver who accused him of groping her. Oh. And he was in college. He he was accused of uh, sexual improprieties uh, while he was in college. Uh, so now he has a past that's following him around, and uh, mm-hmm. he really needs to stay clear of trouble because uh, if not, uh, they're going to people be people who are going to look to benefit from his ugly past. Mm-hmm. And in the day in today's society, with the Me Too generation, boy, they can go all the way back to to his um, college days. With um, you know, especially if he showed aggressive behaviors and date rape and all of that. And all of that can cause him to lose millions and millions of dollars. Well, he just lost a Nike shoe agreement or contract uh, because of his suspension. And so, you know, these are these are real-life things that are happening every day. And both professionals and youth are finding themselves uh, characterized as sexual predators. 
Well, and and that's your past. That's your past coming back to, you know, coming back to haunt you. You, you we we just got to 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 be aware of how we present ourselves. Um, that old saying, "I don't care what people think about me." You better care what people think about you, because those thoughts. Um, turn into actions, and if someone thinks positive of you, then they can have positive actions towards you. But he has people thinking negatively, so there was a negative action. There was no no nobody even doubted that he did it. If they had a doubt, they would not have taken that contract, right? They would have said he's innocent until proven guilty. And we'll wait to see what the outcome is. I've heard that before, but they just they they just took it as a result of their perception of him. And and Cheryl, those are the kinds of things that we need to be teaching uh, to our young people when they think it is um, fun to emulate this thuggish character and this thuggish behavior. Uh, that all they're doing is planting seeds uh, in people's minds that might be contrary uh, to who they are. Uh, but because you want to behave that way and you want to look that way, people are not going to be willing to give you the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of times we have individuals not really understanding what it is that they're representing when they dress a certain way and when they act a certain way. All they know is that they want to be with the in crowd. You know, this is more popular. Not understanding where this dressing comes from, what people, how people look at you, the impressions that you make upon individuals when you walk into a room or when somebody sees you down the street or even when you walk into the courtroom. You know, and then the judge has to tell you to pull up your pants or to do this or to do that, you know. And those are the things that definitely have to be explained to individuals. You know, it may not change their mind, but it'll plant a seed. And just because, you know, and then somebody else can come along and begin to water it, you know, saying about getting the job and when you're trying to do certain things, you know, your dress the different attire, the way you carry yourself, the way you drag your legs, the way you hold yourself, all of those can keep you from going where you actually want to go. Why we have a responsibility to teach our children, explain to them, you know, where this originated from, where this actually, because the things that they're doing now, it's not new, you know, and if D is <laughs> on the phone, he can kind of um, tell you, and you working in the, um, in the jail system, you know, what was the reason why they wore their pants sagging the way that they do? And, you know, I don't understand. You see them with that. They can barely walk for the pants way down them. And not only that, half of them don't make sure that their underwear is clean or, or proper looking. because, And they definitely is showing when they're walking like this. So we again, we got to be teachers. You know, everything that we do, 
it reflects on what somebody is because we are always watched. Every time we walk out the door, we are watched. When we have company, even when it's not a regular company, they're watching us. People are watching you all the time. So we have to begin to carry in a manner that we will want to see our future because we can't speak nothing if we're not doing it our own selves. So we have to be the examples. And so often uh, not, they don't realize, again, how much their day-to-day behavior uh, has, has some benefit to them. You know, and you got to just live a life of the straight and narrow uh, to avoid some of the complications uh, that might happen as a result of certain incidents. And uh, and understand that life is not fair and that because the justice system is supposed to be blind doesn't mean that it's going to be. And when we are in a position, Regina, uh, to be on these juries, and we have a responsibility uh, to make uh, the prosecution work hard for our guilty, our guilty vote. So we can't allow them to just throw out a bunch of stuff and us to take it without, uh, uh, without trying to really see the possibility of them having a guilty man. If you, the moment you sit in that chair, you find the uh, perpetrator or a guilty, uh, then he doesn't have a chance. Uh, so it has to be that the prosecution proves these people guilty and not suggest that they're guilty uh, because of what they look like and the places they go to. And you said not suggest that they're guilty? Well, we, we, we have to make sure we, first of all, we need to be a part of the system as jurists. Mm-hmm. And we need to be making the prosecution uh, work for our guilty vote and not just mm-hmm. give it to him because it's the prosecutor. Exactly. It, you, are, you are absolutely right. Um uh, I guess I say I'm always involved in something, but, you know, that situation that I was involved in um, actually last year this time, and we have a case against the complex where I was. Well, they're trying to accuse me of being racist against Indians, and they're dragging it out, you know, steady trying to find something negative. Well, if God would have it, we had a um, the community had an issue with that Obama station, which is owned by some folks from Yemen, who are Arabic and not Indian. But the article that came out on the front page of the newspaper had nothing but positive things to say about my relationship community and trying to to help that station to be a positive force in the community. So the people who are working against me on the first case, they've had to go out and hire investigators and all to really work hard to prove that I am prejudiced against them because my actions are inconsistent with their accusations. 
but they have Africans, to work just what you're saying. Yeah. To, yeah, but we have to project an image that helps us when we find ourselves in a bind. You can't mm-hmm. uh, go around the country acting a negative in a negative fashion, and then when you need a good, uh, you know, a good background, see mm-hmm. yourself as creating trouble all the time. So we have to recognize that when our children, our children understand when well, they think that these 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 things that they're doing are just nuisance and no big deal, that they're destroying who their what their image is, and that that image problem becomes a problem for a lot of people, not just a few. And so we have an obligation as a community to convince young people to to show themselves as worthy of having the ability uh, to say, look, I, this is not who I am. This is not my personality. I have a caller on, and I'm going to have to call your last four digits of your number uh, because I'm not familiar with it, uh, 0546. We're talking about how the justice system impacts our people negatively uh, because of image and because of how the system works. How how it impacts us. One more time. I'm sorry. How how our the image, the negative image that some of us bring to the court table, and and how we are looked at by these mostly white jurors, where we're not being given the benefit of doubt because of some of our past behavior. Yes, that's the main problem. Our past behavior. And, um, you know, it reminds me of my niece. I said she would probably be, be the type of person that go out there and get shot to death because she don't control her anger and her her attitude, her mouth. And uh, we're projected based on a few that they see that's acting out. And uh, we need to realize that we can't teach our children once they're up and in, in age, you know. But we as a whole, we need to try to um, change that by presenting positive role models on people that, you know, solutions to the problem. Like, we're talking about the problem. Let them know that we're aware, at least, through uh, some types of uh, forums, you know, open up dialogue about it. And when you, and just like you said, you know, when you, uh-huh. we can make a, a, a mountain, we can make a mountain out of a molehill, because of our attitude and how we address people uh, when they come to come to us. So, D, a lot of times when we're not able to control our emotions, uh, we create bigger problems, and people just assume that's who we are because of the way we react. Are you there, D? So, Regina, a lot of times, a kid uh, who is who's, who is uh, a bad is always assuming that he is that, and he might very well be innocent, but because of his his uh, past, he's found to be uh, a likely suspect. Well, um, 
since we're towards the end of the program, I can call this matter now. But Donald Trump is a prime example. When Omarosa put out, you know, started her quest to prove that he is a certain way, he got upset. And within a certain time span, he sent out seven tweets. Amongst those tweets, he used very ugly terminology towards her. All of that was his anger. It got out of control. Whether he was innocent in his knowledge or what, anger has cast doubts on any bit of innocence he may have had in that situation. And without a doubt, uh, it is easy to assume that everything that she's saying is now true. And we can use that example to young people to show them that they need to, to wheel in uh, that behavior that creates these the Im- these images. Uh, and that uh, going around with this tough, thuggish uh, image may not be in their long-term interest. Be recognizing it. Are you able to hear me, D? So, Cheryl, it brings in the question whether or not. Uh, you know, we had this example, this president, who definitely needs to be portrayed as not what someone you want to emulate. Well, we have to do damage control when we are trying to teach people or teaching our upcoming, um, those who are coming up under us, because we don't want them to think that this is setting an example or this is respectable in a you know in a lot of the conversations that he has these things are not acceptable and won't be acceptable if they go into a, a atmosphere where respect is demanded um he get, he's getting away with it right now and mainly because he's the president but, you know, we couldn't go on our job and carry on the way that we do. We couldn't go in the community in a meeting and carry on, you know, the way um, that he carries on or even say a lot of the things that um, that he says. So that's, again, where we have to be teachers to one another and to our upcoming generation, because they are the ones that we're going to be looking to, to as leaders. And, you know, it's going to be um, somewhat, um, I wouldn't say difficult, but up there because they're going to see one thing and they're going to think that this is acceptable because how can he do it and get away with it? And you trying to tell me different, but when we bring it up, our kids, um, and they've gotten to a certain age, they know better. They know what they're hearing is not right. It's the younger ones 
you know, when they hear things and they may laugh at what he's saying, because, I mean, they have access to a lot of the things. They hear the things that we hear. Um, And it's not where we can hide everything. So that's why I say we got to constantly pour in so much positive because we don't want our young men to think um, negative of women. We don't want each, you know, our upcoming generation to think that um, something is wrong with our race or something is wrong with, you know, other races and only race that is um, that is good is white but you have to have a, be at a certain level, you know, we don't want them. So we got to do what I say, damage control. We got to um, go back and explain, not just tell them, but explain to them so that they can clearly see. And like you say, you know, he just have a problem right now. And explain it like that. Don't do it where we so negatively, you know, put them down because we don't want them to put others down. But saying, you know, he really don't understand and I don't think that he's knowledgeable in every area so what does the word say our people will perish for a lack of knowledge and because he don't have the knowledge in every area you know he may be a businessman to manners and some of those other things he may not be and it's been displayed as knowledgeable as we are trying to teach our individuals Zero five four six. Give me your first name. Stacy. Stacy. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> Correct. Okay, Stacy. Uh, what What is your thoughts about? You know, I, I guess I want to use the last few minutes to talk about this. But how can you have respect for a president uh, that would call a woman a dog just because she's saying something? disparaging things against him. I mean, clearly, our president is just not anywhere near uh, what you would uh, think of as being uh, a a presidential individual. Well, it says, um, the scriptures say the whole earth is off its course. So everything is upside down, topsy-turvy, and it's just the way it is. As far as our people, I I don't really want to say much about him, but um, because he's he's doing some things he's doing right, I feel like uh, with the um, with our uh, economy, he's helping that, and he's going after the cooks in high places. That's the uh, but he's not a good example. I know that. And our sons, that let me say this quick. Our sons and um, nephews were raised by the men in the family to 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 be dogs, treat a dog like a dog, bow wow, all these men that came before and these last generation X. Uh, they were taught, don't get married. Uh, abuse her. Call her if until she uh, going to be, you know, until she thinks it's her name. You know, this is the thing that I experienced when I was coming up. And um, our children, our daughters now get the same treatment so the world won't respect us because we don't respect our, our own. It started from when they were being taught by their uncles and the brothers been taught by the uncles and uh, taught to not pay child support and um, how it's so wrong, but the children suffer. And then they go, the children turn bad because they don't have, and then they, they're without. And, you know, they're, they're, it's a retaliatory thing that they go through. 
stole everything about this course. You know, it's just the way slavery, slavery itself brought us to this. You know, you can blame it on that, too, because we were taught um, from um, really yet how to be against each other. The yellow skin person got treated the rough, roughest because they're yellow, and they try to blend them as much as they can. They're just not accepted. And, and the darker ones don't love themselves, but the black and the berry, the twins of the Jews, I find, you know, and um, God is a black man. is in standing in man. Say God had what he had. So we have the whole thing is, is messed up, and we have to realize it and come up with a plan. We already know the problem, and we're focusing on it, and we need to come up with a, a, a plan to come up with a solution. And it takes a, a, it takes a community to do this. I'm going to take a short break, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to ask everybody this question. We heard today where uh, the Catholic Church is finding itself in another mess again, and what I want to ask everybody, and I know that none of us are uh, are, uh, authorities on the the Catholic Church, but do you believe that – I want you to answer this question. Do you believe that it's possible – uh, that the Catholic Church would have less problems if they were would allow these ministers uh, to give up their oath of abstinence. Okay, I'm going to take a break, and we're going to come back and give everybody an opportunity to answer that question. I, I, I won't be here because I'm at work. I'm picking up a passenger. Okay. I won't be here. I, I have... Um, <laughs> Yeah, that would help. I'm going to give you my answer now. I'm going to hang up, but yes, that would help. All right. <laughs> Real quick, the scripture, says, the scripture says let the pastor, let the priest have one wife. It's a scripture that says that. So this is right. All right, I'm, I'm out, y'all. I got, I'm driving. I got to go. I got to pick up a passenger. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and give everybody an opportunity to answer the question. All right.
Shay, the host of Thoughts, Love, and Reflection, talk to you seven days a week, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and Sunday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We're here so that your voice can have an opportunity to be heard loud and clear without interruption. Please call in to 657-383-0309. We want to make sure your opinion goes further than a couple of blocks. Uh, Regina, what is your thoughts about uh, whether or not the oath of celibacy uh, needs to uh, be given up so that fewer ministers will find themselves in this position? Um, no, I don't believe that it should be given up. If they've chosen to go into this religion knowing that that is an oath that they must take, if they violate that oath, it should be a a crime, a, a, a legal issue, and a um, religious issue because they had a choice to become a part of this this type of religion. All right, I'm not gonna question your your decision. Uh, uh, Cheryl, your your thoughts uh, after hearing this uh, amazing um, record of these behaviors of these ministers, do you think they should be given an opportunity uh, to relinquish their oath of celibacy? Um, I didn't get a chance to read that article that you had sent on that, but um, is that saying to marry or that saying to have? I mean, it's going to change the whole structure of of the whole the Catholic system what they um, what they put in place. So if they change that, they have a whole lot of other things to change. And I definitely understand what it is that Regina is saying because when you take an oath and you begin to do some things, that would make you think that they won't, if they were in a marriage setting, that they would not abuse uh, um, children otherwise. So if we change that, then do we change other things when they don't work for us? Any longer, um, I probably would have to get a little, a little bit more um, information as to how, you know, they're going to change it, and it's not going to change in one area. It's going to change in a whole lot of different dynamics. So, is it that because it's not working, or is that a cover up for, for making it where they're not sued or? They don't have to um, face charges. So what is the change really for? Um, My D, you heard from the two ladies. So uh, I'm going to ask you, uh, I could not imagine uh, trying to live a life of celibacy for my whole entire existence. Uh, and maybe be, uh, maybe them having the opportunity to marry or be with a woman wouldn't change what some of them are doing. But what what is your thought in regards uh, to whether or not 
the oath may have uh, may be creating the problem that exists with these men. Well, uh, if you look at the religion of the of the Catholic Church in modern time, uh, that appears to have been the problem. Uh, I I do believe that the the, the the criteria of the Catholic Church needs to be revised um, uh, because historically um, uh, the the character of the of the priest and the uh, some of the dioceses of, of the Catholic Church uh, have left a black eye on that religion. Um, so uh, yes, I, I think it needs to be re- revised because historically. Uh, it's, not, it's, it's not painting a good picture on um, some of the cases of uh, child molestation and, uh, and all the other things that has been going on uh, around that sequence of events. So, yeah, they need to take a real good look at it. Uh, um, to to one of the latest point, though, uh, the Catholic Church is just as old as the land almost. And uh, so uh, that, 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 chain, that chain will probably run deeper than we could could imagine, but they got to do something because uh, I think that that restriction is uh, is a little bit much. So it seems. Thank you, uh, Regina. We see that the Catholic Church has taken a different stance when it comes to uh, gay individual. They've taken a softer stance for that. Uh, you know, why do you uh, feel like uh, they should not? Uh, uh, Take a look at the stance that they have related to these ministers being celibate, uh, so that uh, they can do something with that internal manhood uh, that they seem to be having a problem with. Um, you saying why do I feel that way? Uh, yeah, I mean, why? Why do you? I just, I, I just, sir, I, I feel, I feel, this is my opinion now, that they made a choice. If they wanted, if a priest wants to serve mankind, if he wants to be a man of God and move around and, and help others find Christ, he does not necessarily have to be of the Catholic faith. He chose to be of the Catholic faith. He knew that that was one of the one of the uh, one of the you know the rules. Criteria. He didn't have to be a priest. He could have been a preacher. It could have been a, a Baptist preacher, Methodist preacher, minister. Didn't that's, have to be a priest. Right. <laughs> so, right. uh, well, Stacey, chose. do you want to add anything to that? I see you still on the board. Do you want to add anything to that? I'm on the board listening, but I have a passenger. Okay. All uh, right. I will All right. I just that. wanted to. I'm listening. Okay. D, uh, what what is your comeback for that? Well, uh, you know, you brought up a great point when you say that they have taken a softer position on on gay and gay activity. All right, now 
Uh, if that is so, we have to then turn back the pages of time, going back to ancient Rome, to look at the sexual behavior of the ancient Romans, which was they would have an intimate relationship with boys, men, and women. And and orgies, and orgies were the norm, the norm back in those days. Um, if it is indeed a fact that they have taken a softer um, stance on on gay on gay activity and to to and to interact with in a heterosexual relationship seems to make them uncomfortable. Then, uh, then yeah, um. Uh, that that religion, like like politics today, uh, 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 is in question going forward because you, we all know now this is the era of exposure, and so um, you know yeah let's 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 see it all and can can they write the ship? That's gonna be on them, just like our politics. Can we write out? Can we write the ship and keep it from going astray? Uh, a lot of work got to be done all the way across the board, and so the Catholic Church is one of those things. Thank you. Uh, Cheryl, your thoughts about that? I mean, I'm, I'm still saying that um, it, if that is even thought about, it's going to be an overall, an overhaul um, in will it even stop What's being done, or is that just being implemented because to help cover up some of the things that? And what I mean, mm-hmm. you can't stop yep. the person from sexually abusing somebody just because now they are able to have sex. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I mean, you know, this is something that they knew that they were getting into. So, like I said, it's going to change the whole dynamic of it and how would they structure it and would they still be priests or would they be preachers? I mean, or are they just, I mean, like I said, it's just, it's not going to be what it, what it um, started or ordained to be. It's going to be something totally together different. And when you do take that over. You know what you're up against. And if you feel like at any time that you can't do it, you can always get out of it. You're not, um, you don't, I mean, you don't have to. This, I mean, you can get out of it if you feel like you're going to, you need to, to be sexually active. But I don't think that's going to stop them from abusing young boys and molesting those, you know, I just don't think that that's going to stop it. I think mm-hmm. um, they're going to have more activity going on. They can do things more openly. But they, but if you're going to and have a mindset to do something like that, then that's something that you're going to do. You know, you take about, think about um, couples that are married um, or individuals that are married or man who can have anybody he wants, but then he sexually abused a young boy. Um, I just can't, I mean, I don't see it something easily overturned and it's not going to change the whole dynamic of everything. And just like we said, you know, 
become a preacher if that's not what you want to um if that's not something you want to commit yourself to or just get out of it. If you find that, you know, now look, I know I made this oath, but um I really want to be sexually active. I mean, I wouldn't be mad with them. I'm pretty sure a lot of people wouldn't be mad with them. If that but they did it, they would be doing it properly. They wouldn't be doing it undercover. And even if they have the right to do it, what makes you, th- you know, I mean, it's just a lot of things that be involved in um, making it different. And then, again, I say, how would you make that different? Just give them the right to be able to get married. Just give them the right to be able to have um, sex. But then sex before marriage is not a part of the Bible. You know, you're leaving the door open for a whole lot of things. Yeah, real quick, um, you know, uh, they don't have the respect that they once had anyway after all those scandals. Uh, so, you know, when, they, when, when one says, uh, just become a preacher, then that's probably the case right now because the respect that they had throughout the world they don't have, and Donald Trump don't respect them no way. So you know, and so he's supposed to be the example of the of the free world. So uh, you know, I think them being revised is in order. Thanks, James, for letting me say that. All right, uh, Stacy, go ahead. All right, uh, I just want to thank you all for y'all continu- continued support. Uh, it was a great show today. I look forward till tomorrow. Uh, Recognize that uh, we uh, want to make sure that we have as many different voices as we possibly can because it's important for us to learn from each other. All that I ask that is that you all come on this show and be as honest as possible about yourselves and the reason why you believe the things that you are giving your opinion on. We need you to make sure... Well, let, let me uh, reverse. Uh, Stacy, you've got a few minutes. I want to give you an opportunity to finish. Uh, Stacy, uh, uh, what did you have in mind? Yeah, I was saying that uh, in relationship to um, the, I said there was a scripture about let the, let the priest have one wife. That's First Timothy 3, 2 through 12 in the King James Version Bible. So it's doable according to the Bible, you know, it's inspired by God, men inspired by God to write these things. Um, so I feel like they should be allowed. Now, since they made all these mistakes, you know, they shouldn't be anything to the church. If those you're talking about the ones, the pedophiles and all, no, they should get out and be put in jail. Uh, that's what should happen to them. But uh, and as far as um, sodomy and um, the scriptures in Leviticus, they have talked against um that I think it's um, Leviticus 22 uh, about the um, sodomy. A man shall not lay with a man as if he was a, a woman. Uh, these things are clearly um, pointed out in the Bible, uh, but we have taken it. Like I said, the whole world is off its course. We have taken um, to our own devices. And Scripture says, if you do these things, he'll, God said He'll give you up to a reprobate mind to do those things that are not convenient and that means yeah so people don't want to listen to the bible the bible's out and um uh, uh, all these other things are in 
and that's where we're at right now. And it's going to have to be a, uh, what you call a purge, it's going to happen. It's going to be God doing the purge once again. <laughs> we did it before. All right. Okay. Thank you so much for calling in, uh, Stacy, and we look forward to you calling in as often as you can. Guys, look, we'll be here tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. We want you to call in and be honest and real about what you're thinking and your feelings. And uh, don't allow uh, talking in front of people uh, to be the reason that you remain quiet. We are looking forward to everybody coming and sharing their opinion and their voices and know that you're going to be respected and treated fairly. Take care, everybody. Call in at 657-383-0309, Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Sunday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Talk to you later, later, guys. Take care and recognize that we have to be a part of the solution and not part of the problem. Yes, sir. your children and don't let them fall by the side of the road and teach them to love one another that heaven might find a place